Welcome, all you weirdos, Krakoans, and everyone in the mood for a really short podcast. It is time to receive your 49th Weird Dose of X. As always, we are the mutant member of the Weird Science family. I am Jason, and I am flying solo today. It is the Memorial Day weekend as I record, and there's also just one fairly secondary X book to discuss today, so I have magnanimously given Ruben the week off. I hope he's having a lovely time with his family and his coffee. With no news of any particular import today, let's jump right into our one book, and that is Bishop War College number four of five. The issue is titled Final Exam, although this is the penultimate issue. The writer is Jay Holtham. Art by Sean Damien Hill and Victor Nava for the Earth 63 sequences, and Alberto Foch for the 616 sequences. All the colors are by Espen Grundigern, and all the letters are by Travis Lanham. The design is by Tom Muller with Jay Bowen. So, as foreshadowed by those credits, our story once again comes in two distinct chunks on two distinct Earths. Let's start by checking in with good old Krakoa on good old Earth 616. Frankly, these scenes feel pretty generic, maybe even perfunctory, if you want to get an SAT word in there. Uh, I don't get the feeling that writer Jay Holtham is really interested in this bit. We get one page of magic seeming to realize that, hey, remember those kids that Bishop is supposed to be turning into lean, mean killing machines? I haven't seen any of them for a while. I wonder what's happened to them. Well, those kids continue to be trapped in an oddly extensive series of caves under Krakoa, fighting back and forth again with the Fenris twins, who again are leading an orca strike team, trying to quite literally undermine the island by spreading blight swill and busting open the pit. All of these scenes and all of these issues feel interchangeable. There's no sense of forward plot momentum, it's just the same stuff. Again, you could mix up most of these panels and it would not make a difference. Uh, here, though, we are reminded that the Fenrises are wearing these Orcus Tech armbands that cancel out the Blightswill power cancellation, and you might expect that these would be locked down, fastened onto their arms super securely. Nope, they pop right off with the merest touch, perhaps even more easily than Cyclops' visor. At the end of the fight, the War College kids have the armbands, but Orcus and Fenris still have some guns on their side. None of that much matters, though, because at that very moment, the Orcus tunnel machine breaks through into the pit. So, do we get our big payoff? Do we see what the pit even looks like at this point, after all the comings and goings of Sabretooth and his frenemies? No, we do not. All we get is a distant wide shot of all of our characters looking through a gap into where the pit should be, and one of them, I think it's Cam Long, although it doesn't matter, uh, not even very excitedly saying, oh no. So I guess our big re reveal, such as it may be, will have to wait for our next issue. Meanwhile, there's quite a bit more energy and creativity being expended in the Earth-63 portion of our story. As I'm sure you all recall, on this Earth, the X gene is linked to genes that encode racial markers. So what it boils down to is here, only black people can be mutants. Uh, not that all black people are mutants, but all mutants are also black folks. Now, most of the classic X-Men we know and love are still mutants here, including Professor X, Beast, Logan, Nightcrawler, Jean, all of them really. Just in this universe, they all happen to be black. We don't get any kind of a deep look into how this would have changed their backstories and character development, but the new uh, visual character designs look pretty nifty. When last we left Bishop, he and his Earth-63 counterpart had gone off to visit the Earth-63 version of Heather Tucker, aka Tempo. Now, this makes sense because Tempo's power had been part of the accident that sent Bishop into this universe. 
the Earth-63 Heather Tucker insists that she's just a doctor, damn it, not a mutant. But Bishop quite aggressively and inexplicably does not believe her. While he's being all disbelieving, the Tucker Clinic gets attacked by the Human Liberation Front. Oh, and, and by the way, Heather Tucker's father, also a doctor at the clinic, is alive in Earth-63. At least for the next few panels. And that's where we pick back up. With Bishop fighting the HLF, a team of anti-mutant humans in Iron Man-type suits. These humans are quite the eclectic collection. Tony Stark, Moira McTaggart, Simon Trask, and current Iron Man villain, Phalong. I feel like I should mention that this universe's Moira McTaggart appears to be black. That wouldn't much matter in most stories, but given that in this universe, mutant powers are deeply inter- intertwined with race, and how in the 616, Moira was retconned to have been secretly immune all along, feels like this might wind up being relevant. Or maybe just a red herring. Bishop tries to get his Earth-63 counterpart to help out in the battle, but that Lucas Bishop is reluctant, insisting that he's, quote, never blasted anyone. The art isn't entirely clear, but I, I think that Earth-63 Lucas does wind up using his powers to blast someone, so I suppose this is a red-letter day for him. At that moment, the Earth-63 X-Men appear and join in the battle, until Moira triggers what appears to be a suicide bomb vest, and the whole world goes white. Is this a universe reset? What would that even mean in the context of a multiverse? Do they all reset? Would our bishop respawn in Earth-63? Would he get sent back to the 616? As interesting as those questions would be, sorry, this is all just a big fake-out. It's not a universe reset situation, it's a time-stop situation. Remember Heather Tucker, the Earth-63 counterpart of the 616 mutant called Tempo? Well, I guess she is immune because she's the one who stops time, and froze the explosion in everyone other than herself and Bishop. Bishop sees Heather cradling the head of her father, who sadly is dead again. In the 616, Dr. Tucker was killed by the MLF. In the 63, he gets killed by the HLF. Dude cannot catch a break. He can catch shrapnel with the best of them, though, but uh, apparently not a break. Sorry, too soon. Now we get to the twist of the issue, and it's one I don't entirely know that I follow, so maybe a kind listener can write in, to weirdsciencedccomics at gmail.com or at wsmarvelcomics and explain it to me. The pre-twist situation is that, just like Bishop suspected, back up there, the pre-twist interpretation is that, just like Bishop suspected, the Earth-63 Heather Tucker is indeed a mutant. Maybe she was concealing her powers, or, or maybe this is her powers manifesting for the first time? That was what I thought, but then Heather, the, the one cradling dead dad, says, My father, I tried to save him. I lost him before, but I tried to save him here. I tried. Then Bishop replies to her, Heather, this isn't our time. This isn't our world. So I guess that means that this is the 616 Heather Tucker, Tempo, the one who was part of the accident that sent Bishop to this universe, and I guess wound up here with him? Or maybe it wasn't an accident? Maybe she did that on purpose somehow? Well, it does raise a fairly obvious question. What what the heck happened to the actual Earth-63 Heather Tucker, who may or may not be immune for all we know? We know she exists. The Earth-63 X-Men and the Earth-63 Lucas Bishop all know all about her. So where is she? Did the 616 Tempo do something to her? Are they Are they working together somehow? Maybe we find out on the final issue because this penultimate issue is pretty much over. Only two panels to go. In the first panel, Tempo loses emotional control and says that she, quote, wants more time, and then, if I just use my powers, trailing off. In the final panel, the world goes all white again, and Bishop says, not again. So what even did Tempo do here? She has time powers. 
She can slow time. She can freeze time. She can accelerate time so as to, for instance, speed up the maturation of fine Krakoan whiskey. But I don't think she can reverse time, which is what she would need to do to bring back dear old alternate universe dad. Is that what she's trying to do? To use her powers in a new way? And maybe that goes horribly wrong because, you know, reversing time seems like a tricky thing. Anyway, your guess is as good as mine, but presumably whatever does happen will be the means of sending Bishop back to the good old 616 so our two storylines can come together, our miniseries can wrap up, and Bishop can be available to play his part in whatever happens at the Hellfire Gala to bring about the Fall of X. And that's the book. I don't know why Jay Holtham devotes approximately equal page space to both halves of the story when there's really not going, there's really not enough going on in the 616 bit to, to warrant it. Maybe this should have been just a Bishop book. Forget the whole war college situation. We could follow him to Earth-63, hang out with him there, and then come back home. I think that would have been a stronger book. It surely would have afforded more space to explore what it means for a society to have superpowers linked to only one racial group. And that's the, that's the idea in this book that actually intrigues, not whatever the nonsense is with Orcus, but they just don't have the space to really go into detail there. Maybe it was Marvel's idea that this had to be a team book and to add those bits to tie more deeply into Moira and Orca's continuity to really make this a Krakoa era book and not just a Bishop story that could happen at any time. If so, that's your reasonable intention. I can see what they were going for, but it doesn't really work. Okay, my reaction to the art is pretty much the same as what I've said in previous issues. The 616 sequences look flat and overly simplistic, with little in the way of backgrounds to establish any sense of setting, while the Earth-63 artist is quite good. On the high end of Marvel House style, with a couple nifty new character designs, including Earth-63 versions of Wolverine and Nightcrawler. So, Earth-63 artists Sean Damien Hill and Victor Nava remain this book's MVPs. If this had been two separate books, I'd give the Earth-63 book a 7.3, and the Earth-616 book a 4. Reaching for my slide rule, that means the combination book gets a 5.65 out of 10. Okay, wrap-up time. We used to do a recommended reading segment here occasionally, and today I'm going to do a recommended watching. I used the phrase dead again when describing Heather Tucker's unfortunate father, so I'm going to recommend the 1991 film Dead Again. It's a neo-noir semi-time travel movie, with the semi-time travel taking place via hypnosis and recovered memory. The stars are Kenneth Branagh and Emma Thompson, who each play two characters, one in the movie's present and one in its past. The supporting cast is amazing as well, including Derek Jacobi, Andy Garcia, Robin Williams, and, perhaps best of all, Wayne Knight, later of Seinfeld and Jurassic Park fame. So go ahead and check that out. I think it has some thematic and tonal similarities that many X-Fans would enjoy. Once again, that's Dead Again, the 1991 film. And I see it's currently streaming on Amazon Prime Video. So if you have Prime, you won't even have to pay for it. Uh, next week, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, we seem to be in the depths of pre-change of status quo doldrums, and none of the books that we usually cover here come out next week. So I don't honestly know what we'll be doing, or if there will even be a podcast, or if Ruben and I will just hang out and talk soccer and coffee for a while. Could be anything. The following week, however, promises a bumper crop of something like five books, or one short of a plethora. So stay tuned for that overstuffed episode, and until then, how about you go read some X-Men comics?